0: This is laura london and you're listening to speaking of jung i am honored to be joined once again by the author of jung's map of the soul esteemed jungian analyst dr murray stein in zurich switzerland he holds a master of divinity from yale university and a phd in religion and psychological studies from the university of chicago he trained as a jungian analyst at the cg jung institute zurich And later co-founded the Jung Institute of Chicago, where he worked as a training analyst. Dr. Stein served as president of the International Association for Analytical Psychology and the International School of Analytical Psychology, known as ISAP Zurich, where he is currently a training and supervising analyst. He is a very prolific author, and among his many books is Jung's Map of the Soul, An Introduction, published in 1998. It was recognized by BTS's management company, Big Hit Entertainment, prior to the release of their 2019 album, Map of the Soul Persona. You can hear Dr. Stein discuss his book and BTS for the first time in episode 42. After the album's release in April, 2019, we recorded episode 44, in which we discussed each track from a Jungian perspective. Shortly after that, a Map of the Soul book series was started by Chiron Publications. The publishers, doctors Stephen Buser and Leonard Cruz, along with Dr. Stein, released the first volume, Map of the Soul Persona, Our Many Faces. Last week, BTS released a follow-up to Persona, this time a full-length studio album, titled Map of the Soul 7. Prior to its release, the interlude and the outro were unveiled on YouTube, Shadow and Ego. You can hear Dr. Stein's full analysis of Interlude Shadow in episode 53 and Outro Ego in episode 54. We're here today to discuss the new album, its 19 tracks, and the meaning of the number seven. After my discussion with Dr. Stein, I'll be joined by Chiron publisher, Dr. Stephen Buser to discuss their new book series, Map of the Soul. Stephen Buser, M.D., received his medical doctorate at Duke University and served for 12 years as a physician in the United States Air Force. He is a graduate of a two-year clinical training program at the C.G. Jung Institute of Chicago and is the co-founder of the Asheville Jung Center. He has worked for over 30 years in psychiatry with a focus on Jungian-oriented psychotherapy. He co-authored DSM-5, Insanely Simplified, and co-edited A Clear and Present Danger, Narcissism in the Era of President Trump, as well as Rocket Man: Nuclear Madness, and the Mind of Donald Trump. He currently works in the field of addiction medicine, and serves as publisher of Chiron Publications. These interviews were recorded on Tuesday, February 25th, 2020, through the magic of Skype. Dr. Stein, what does the number seven represent?
1: Well, they've, I, I was surprised when I um, saw the title of this album. I wow. had expected something to do with ego and uh, shadow, which are certainly... Um, uh, integrated into the album, but, uh, but they called it uh, Map of the Soul's Seven was a surprise. And I've been thinking about that since they explain it in a number of ways. There are seven of them. They've been together for seven years. They like the number seven. It's a lucky number. Uh, but, of course, the number seven is um, extremely uh, important in symbol systems, and um, for instance, uh, you know we have seven days of the week. Um, that's not an accident. Um, God created the world in seven days. He, he rested on the seventh. The number of seven completes things. It is a, um, a number that um, brings us to a sense of uh, something's finished, something's done. We can take a rest now. Uh, there's a day of rest at the end of six. So those are some of my associations. It's also a mystical number. It's a sacred number. Um, it's in the Bible. It's in many um, uh, symbol uh, systems. Um, it's you know there are seven grades of initiation in some of the occult associations. Uh, seven is the highest level of initiation. So um, one can think about it in a number of different ways. But I think uh, in uh, reference to this album, it seems to indicate they are finished with something. They're finished with a phase, at least. They have done their work, and now they are going to take a rest. That's the way I read
0: it. In the collective works of C.G. Jung, he mentions number 7 around Maria Prophetissa.
1: Yes. Uh, Maria Prophetissa was one of the early alchemists in the first century, Uh, of our era, and she had this formula. um, From the one come the two, out of the two comes the three, and out of the three comes the four, as the one. And the four, um, uh, then if you add them, three and four, you get seven. Um, Three symbolizes a, a, a stage of development that is theoretical. It's not yet grounded. Um, there's been an evolution from an early state of consciousness, that's one, to a differentiation, that's two, uh, through uh, um, a a product of one and two, which is the three that comes out of them. Uh, So you have a trinity, uh, and that trinity uh, sits above the earth, so to speak, and uh, as a theoretical heavenly possibility, When the fourth is added, it's grounded. It comes down to earth and it becomes real and actualized. And so the three and the four are played with quite a lot in alchemy. To to move from three to four is to complete the work. Um, And then of course you add the two together and you get seven. So it would be like a triangle within a square. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a, um, a sense of completion.
0: Looking at this album, as a whole, I was really struck by something Jin said in their uh, press conference. Um, BTS held a press conference in Seoul to talk about the new album, and Jin is the eldest member. He said, in this new album, we wanted to deal with different things such as our experiences that brought us here and the candid emotions we feel in the moment. It reveals our deep inner selves that we had wanted to hide And at the same time, we are confessing our discovery that these are also our true selves. And in reading through the English translations of the lyrics to all the tracks, I keep seeing this repetitive theme of pain and wounding and struggle and also destiny. I know that you've also had a chance to look through the lyrics and was wondering what you thought or where that sort of fits into the concept of Jung's Map of the Soul.
1: I think this album um, covers a level uh, of the Map of the Soul. It covers what you could call the, the upper layers or the upper levels of the psyche. Um, And when you start uncovering those, and you look behind them, uh, you 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 come upon uh, hidden realities that uh, are are hidden from most people, and that's what the Persona uh, album was about. um, That they, you know, as a group, and I think of the, I think of the. BTS as a single personality in a sense. There are seven of them, but they're hard to differentiate. Now one sings, now another one. And they're all singing about themselves. They're they're singing about their their, um, collective psyche in a sense.
0: Yes. They have
1: struggled hard. They've struggled hard to get where they are. They've worked very hard and they've suffered. They've had their ups and their downs. But uh, people outside the group don't see that. All they see is the entertainment. They see the beautiful smiles, uh, the colorful hair, the clothes, and so they they see the self presentation. And what the BTS has wanted to do is say, um, you know, we're we're human beings behind this uh, entertainment business. We're real people. We have a history, uh, and we have struggled and we've suffered, and that's coming through in this album. As you say, loud and clear, in almost all the numbers. Uh, but there's much more to the album than that. There's also the theme of uh, of resilience, of um, overcoming their um, uh, their their problems and their difficulties and their setbacks. Um, and so it's ultimately, it's a very affirmative album. I find it reveals the suffering and the reality behind the. Uh, the mask behind the persona, but it also really um, affirms the uh, and speaks about the resilience uh, of of the group. Uh, for instance, we are bulletproof. The eternal that song, um, which uh, is sung to their uh, to their army, um, they have been tremendously supported by the uh, by their fans and by the army, and they've survived and come through, and they're singing about it. Uh, so it's celebratory, as well as showing uh, a lot of pain and agony.
0: One thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about the number seven that stood out to me is that seven is a prime number, and prime numbers are only divisible by one or themselves. So seven is a unit, right? And which right. yes, yes, and and it kind of to me is another thing that BTS symbolizes is that they are a unit, they are unbreakable.
1: They are a prime number and they've worked hard to get there. You know, they live together, they spend all their waking hours practically together. Um, And of course you wonder how long this can go on before they have to live their separate individual lives. Um, You know, the day is coming when, when this unit will have to um, uh, break apart and, um, or, or break down and reformulate itself as another kind of unit, perhaps more complex, with more um, individual features um, to the personalities in the group. Um, but they have worked very hard to form a, um, a prime um, singularity, you could say, uh, as a group. It's very mm-hmm. impressive how they've done that and what they've done.
0: Yes, they're... Uh, consistency and their staying power and how they all seem to get along and there isn't this infighting for instance my favorite band my whole life was Fleetwood Mac and they're notorious for their infighting and breaking up and getting back together and right and getting together with each other and getting divorced so Uh, BTS is not that, but I do want to bring up a question because one of the things that I neglected to do really in the past two episodes we did together is bring in some Twitter questions. And as long as we're on this topic, I did have a question come in that asked, why is rebirth necessary? And it made me think of that when you talked about how eventually they're going to go their separate ways. And it made me think of they're going to have to be break down the old and build something new and be born anew into something else. And so she wondered why rebirth was necessary. And rebirth is a recurring theme throughout Jung's work, would you say?
1: Oh, yes, uh, definitely. And that's because we go through uh, phases of transformation or transition in, in our psychological development, lifespan development or the individuation process, as Jung talked about it. You know, there are several important... Um, uh, periods of um, typically, uh, typical periods of transformation from childhood to adulthood through adolescence, that period. And then again, at midlife, there's a transformation from um, early um, adulthood to um, mature adulthood. And then late in life, there's another transformation into old age. Um, So these are uh, death and rebirth experiences. Mm -hmm and um, death in the sense of the old identity that we we were dies and we have to shed ourselves of it like a snake sheds itself of its skin when it molts and, and transforms itself um we're like that um we have to let go of the old identity or parts of parts of it at least in order to become the new Um, person that we are going to be for the present and the future. So a group is like that, too. Uh, Groups go through death and rebirth processes. You can see that in history with empires and and, and nations and um, um, uh, religious organizations. Over time, they go through periods of uh, ascendancy and then They peak and then they decline and then they die away and then they're reborn uh, in a new um, version of themselves. Um, And I think they're anticipating this as a group. BTS is going to, um, they've reached a peak and I think they're anticipating uh, a transformation and um, a a rebirth process. And going through that is um, also challenging. You know, I wrote a book um, years ago, it was one of my first, uh, called In Midlife. And it's about three stages of the transformation process. And the first is death. Um, and then there's a period of liminality, floating and that's uncertainty and um, facing the unknown and integrating new pieces of the self and bringing in new aspects of the personality. And then finally, um, reintegration around a new sense of self and core to go forward with. So it can take quite some time. Um, midlife is often five to 10 years long. Adolescence in our culture is, is also quite a lengthy period of time uh-huh. um, until the new identity and new person personality, in a sense, forms.
0: Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned snakes, because people on Twitter were pointing out the snake symbolism, and not just symbolism, but literal snakes that were used in some of the imagery, and some of the photos. Um, Jimin was wearing a snake headdress. And also, it was seen in the new single, On, in the Kinetic Manifesto film, um, when there's a drone shot from up high down onto all of the dancers. And it looks like a snake with the snake eyes and the fangs. I think this question about why is rebirth necessary? Death and rebirth is natural. But why? Why do we have to die and be reborn again, so to speak, throughout our lifetime? Why is that necessary? Because of the aging process because we we can't stay you know 5 years old for the rest of our lives is that why
1: I think that's what, that's one reason our body does uh, go through these stages of um, growth and decline but the psyche is while somewhat attached to the body is does isn't an exact reflection of the body i spoke to somebody the other day and they told me that they had just talked to their 80-year-old aunt, and the 80-year-old aunt said, "I don't, I don't feel old. I feel like I'm 20." Yeah. <laughs> so, the psyche doesn't match uh, the chronological age necessarily, um, but it does go through um, uh, uh, stages of of development, um, and the, the snake is a wonderful symbol of that. As the snake grows. The skin is too small for it. Mm. You know, we grow, and you know, uh, our, our, our baby teeth fall out. That's a transformation. People often dream of losing their teeth, and that's a part of the death and rebirth process. They're losing their old uh, concepts, their own, old way of uh, of um, digesting their experiences and and, uh, and analyzing them. And they're going to have to wait a while until new teeth grow in place. So we experience this on a physical level for sure,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but the psyche has its own um, timing also, and um, it goes through uh, these processes of shedding the old skin because the old identity doesn't fit anymore. Right. People experience this in relationships too. You know, for a while a relationship is just perfect, and then you know it sort of becomes. Um, uh, a bit uh, tedious, and then it becomes worn out, and then somebody says, well, I think I've outgrown this relationship. Maybe we should try something else. And you get a divorce, or people go their separate ways, or you start a new business. Uh, you know, the old one doesn't fit you anymore. So this experience of outgrowing uh, the past, uh, something that, that worked very well in the past, is something that we um, experience throughout our lifetime.
0: So It's natural. Right. It's natural, yeah, and it's
1: that's a part of development, yeah,
0: yeah, and I just want to mention that's a great way of looking at that dream symbolically and not literally. okay, so I thought we would go through the album. There are nineteen tracks, uh twenty in the digital version, but track twenty is a duplicate really of the song on with a female singer, Sia doing some vocals. Um, so if we start at track one, we actually covered these because they are from the EP, Map of the Soul Persona. So track one is Intro Persona, then Boy With Love, Make It Right, Jemmy Vu, Dionysus, one through five, we covered those in episode 44. And then track six is Interlude Shadow, which we devoted an entire episode to. That's episode 53. But in this album version of the song, there's a new verse, and it says, this is Sugar singing, he says, Try smiling. What are you hesitating for? Wasn't this the kind of thing you were hoping for?
1: That's a wonderful phrase. Uh, that's straight out of alchemy. Um, I mean, I'm just giving a Jungian um, uh, yeah, association. So you, I don't know what they mean by it. Uh, it's a little bit like asking the artist, "What does your painting mean?" And they say, "Well, you tell me what it means to you. I can tell you what that line means to me." Okay. Uh, you know, the alchemists had three stages of transformation. Uh, the first was called Negredo. It's the darkness, the blackness, the depression. It's the shadow, the experience of the shadow, and that's followed by a stage called albedo, which is uh, whiteness, the whitening of the material in the flask, and and then the third and final stage is called rubedo, which is the reddening, or the appearance of the gold. And that first stage, negredo, uh, is is a, a terrible experience. You know, when you face your shadow, it's very unpleasant. Normally, you're looking at uh, you're looking in the mirror naked, and you're seeing things that maybe other people have seen and you haven't seen very well. And you're taking it in, and you're taking it on board, and you're going to. Uh, fully absorb it that is a very very um, taxing and um, and uh, often painful experience but the alchemist said when the blackness appears rejoice isn't this what you were waiting for Mm -hmm. the process is working this means you're going deeper it means something is happening in there and that this will be followed by um, a, a dawn, you know, that's the whitening when the, when the night is over and, the, and it dawns, you get whiteness in the, in the east, in the sky, and that's followed by the reddening. So the blackness in this experience, um, uh, people often, you know, run away from their depressions. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend in, who lived in Caracas, a famous Jungian analyst named uh, Rafael Lopez Petraza. And he welcomed his depressions. He'd get depressed once uh, every every few years. And he said, when I get depressed, I go to bed for three days. I just stay in bed for three days. He didn't take a pill. He didn't run away from it. He went into it because he knew, yes, this is the beginning of a new uh, phase, a new transformation that's going to happen in my life. And out of this comes creativity. Yeah. I talked once to a, a famous uh, uh, film writer, film script writer, um, who lived in Santa Fe and I was out there on the holiday. And, um, he told me that, he uh, he just finished, uh, a script and now he was depressed, but he said that always happens to me after I've finished, uh, a work, I get depressed for a while. And I know that's part of the process. I have to go down. I have to go into the darkness before I get a new idea. So, um, this um, experience of the shadow, uh, when he says, isn't this what you've been waiting for, uh, is uh, means that yes, uh, a transformation is uh, going to take place.
0: I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Thank you. Because early on, I heard Marie-Louise Monfrance talk about depression in that same way, it being necessary part of the process part of the process and yep. she went into it and i have to say that saved me and i'll always remember hearing her talk about that so thank you for sharing those and i also want to mention i get asked sometimes why i do so much black and white and red because those are the three colors of alchemy okay so the next song track 7 is black swan and we covered that in episode 54 on the ego I don't know if there's anything further you wanted to say about that.
1: Well, I think at that time I did mention um, the uh, coronavirus that was happening uh, mm-hmm. simultaneously uh, with the um, appearance of this song, and that's only gotten worse. So, you know, it, it was possibly synchronistic. We're going through a very um, black swan time right now, uh, with um, coronavirus spreading all over the world and here in Europe right now, especially um, in Central Europe, people are are getting very concerned, almost panicking. You can't buy uh, a surgical mask in the drugstores anymore. They're all sold out. Um, so people are preparing for um, a contagion. And this was totally unexpected. This is a black swan, comes out of nowhere, Wuhan. Who ever heard of Wuhan, right. China before? And now, suddenly, it's, uh, you know, it's the center of the world uh, because of this. Um, so these kinds of things uh, happen to us individually, and they happen to us collectively. And again, it's a part of this album uh, to take that kind of experience, which is a darkening, um, a shadow experience, an experience of decline, destruction, collapse, stock markets collapsing yesterday and today. Uh, people getting very anxious and concerned. And um, I think we're, we're sort of in the midst of a huge worldwide uh, transformation process at the beginning.
0: We can be consumed by this negativity. And I know that one of the things that music does for people is it lifts their spirits, and it gives them hope. And I just want to mention, we're not ignoring what's going on in the world and all of the challenges and the reality of what we're facing right now, um, but we also need to balance that out um, with entertainment and music such as this. And The next song is called Filter, and this oh, that's is-
1: that's just to your point, exactly. Right,
0: right, right. And this is Jimin's solo song, and he asks, which of me do you want? and it, it reminded me of the Instagram filters. Um, it, Dr. Uh, Stein, you and I are both on Instagram and I know that every time I go to post a photo, the first thing it asks me is which filter do I want to use? And I'm like, "Filter! I don't want to filter my photo. I, I, took, a gra- <laughs> I took a great photo. Why do I have to filter it? So I'm not sure what he's trying to say here. What did you think?
1: Uh, it puzzled me too, but I think it's, um, it's sort of like a, uh, let me entertain you. You know, BTS is an entertainment group, and they can, they can cheer you up. They can, uh, yeah. they can think. They can. Um, um, uh, they're very mercurial. Mm-hmm. Uh, this filter idea is: I can be anything you want. Just tell me what you want. I'll, I'll be it. Yeah. Um, it's not the way relationships work in the long run, but it's, it's a phase, perhaps, and it's certainly what entertainment tries to do. You know. To, for a short period of time at least, it will give you something that either cheers you up or makes you feel something outside your normal frame of reference. Um, and um, I think BTS is saying, we can do that. Um, we can dance for you. We can, you know, um, they're great entertainers. Mm-hmm. and So um, coordinated and um, professional
0: they engage with the audience very well. They make eye contact, and they spread a lot of love. One thought that I had about Filter is with Jung's work, um, something that greatly concerned me is that I've been seeing a lot of misinterpretation of Jung's theories, his his terminology, his concepts in some of the analysis of this album and the previous one as well. And that's why Everybody loves hearing what you have to say, Doctor Stein, um, because you're a Jungian analyst and you were trained by analysts who knew Jung and worked with Jung. So we're getting explanations firsthand. And so this track filter made me think about how sometimes Jung's work is kind of filtered and simplified. And oh yes, and yeah, and that that really bothers me because we're here to give it to you straight. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but everybody filters, you know, I mean it's a psychic reality that we all have our biases and we have our our one sidedness and we um we pick some things up and leave other things out. Jung is so um so big um and his um you know his system of thought uh, his range is so huge that it's hard to keep the whole thing in mind. So we make a selection. Mm-hmm. You know, some some of his books I like more than others. I emphasize I've studied alchemy a lot in his writings on alchemy in, later, in my later years, and uh, that's been very informative. But it's very hard to keep the whole thing in mind. So we're, it's hard not to offer some kind of a filter.
0: Right, right, and and you mentioned the word bias. That was another Twitter question I had. Something that's popular among the BTS army is to have a bias, which means to favor one of the members. One of the questions was, uh, and they wanna know if you have a bias in BTS, and also what does it mean from a Jungian standpoint to have a bias in the group?
1: Well, it would be the one you, uh, that you're attracted to, or the one you can identify with most, um, the one you like to look at most, um, it could be uh, a projection object, you know, a screen Mm -hmm. that you project a part of yourself onto and you feel close and you can identify with. Uh, It's almost inevitable, you know, you have seven moving around and it's hard to keep them apart unless you do focus on one or two. and. Consciousness, one of the functions of consciousness is to differentiate, so when you get a group, you begin you know, trying to separate them and, uh, and, and distinguish them. Um, this one does this better, that one does that better, I like this one better than that one. It's a normal part of conscious functioning to do that. And so that's how we develop one-sidedness and bias, by making selections and preferences and those are based on any number of factors, your complexes, your history, your your past, your associations. You know, you like how uh, one person looks because it reminds you of an old friend you had or an old girlfriend or boyfriend. Um, so it's, um, you'd have to look at the individual to um, try to establish why the bias favors this one and not that one. I like RM. Uh, because he speaks. <laughs> he speaks English, and I can understand it. And he made such a good talk at uh, at the United Nations. Yeah. So I would tend to favor him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, people pick out their own favorites. That's mm-hmm. the bias. It's normal.
0: It's normal. It's normal. Okay, so speaking of biases, track nine, My Time, with Jungkook, He says, uh, it feels as if I became an adult quicker than anyone. And there are traces of what I missed. Am I living this right? He mentions how his friends are on the subway while he's in an airplane. It's something that I hear a lot of by famous people who became famous when they were young. They feel like they've missed out on some things. And what I always think of is... People who are not famous, let's say a teenager who's not famous, who wishes they had that life, wishes that they were them, and then the famous person wishes that they had a quote unquote normal life. Yes. So it's sure. kind of like the grass is always greener, right?
2: The way I heard this,
1: this song was that, you know, he got enlisted at a pretty early age into this group, I imagine, <clears throat> maybe 14, 15 years old. Yeah, yeah. And then... It's so intense and fast-moving and, and and focused that they do miss out on a lot of um, normal um, teenage experiences. It's like they're put in a chute or a tunnel, and they're shot through. and so by the time they're 25 and they look back, they see um, how narrow that, that tunnel was. Uh, and all the other experiences that they missed, you know, they, they live together in a house. What are their, where are their girlfriends, their boyfriends, Where where is their interpersonal life other right. than this very intense uh, framework? So um, I think that's a very honest statement and it went and it goes so fast. Another element in these songs is the element of time. You know, that you begin realizing the passage of time is irreversible. Um, and that's a part of growing uh, into adulthood in, in you know, we often say adolescents have this, have this feeling of um, uh, invulnerability, immortality. It doesn't matter. I can always start over again. I can always do it differently. And that's an adolescent attitude uh, that you outgrow, usually um, around, you know, in your early 20s or so. And then you realize that the choices you've made are significant and they have consequences. And you can't go back and start over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, So um, you get that sense uh, in some of these songs that time is being registered in a new way. That's a part of ego. Part of ego development is time becomes more and more important, and you start measuring time. You start relating to the watch and the clock differently because you realize you have deadlines or time passes and and, uh, you're going to have to do other things at another time. And so I think this um, uh, zero o'clock is another one about time. And there's time in some uh, mentioned in some of the, uh, I think it was in the ego, the reality of time, temporality, uh, becomes more and more evident. And at midlife, it really hits you. You know, that's one of the typical beginning points of a midlife crisis is um, death anxiety, suddenly it dawns on you that it's not just other people who are going to die, you're going to die. And um, that sense of uh, time passing and, and that you can't recapture it, you can't go, there is no return to your childhood, there's no going back, um, becomes more and more uh, real as the ego passes through its various stages of development.
0: Okay, so track number 10 is called Louder Than Bombs. It tells the story of how sadness and fear grow as one encounters stories of pain around the world. And again, here's the subject of pain and sorrow and darkness and not giving up. That's another recurring theme throughout the album is we're going to keep going. We're not going to give up
1: but uh, I also read uh, this song as a, a statement of empathy
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: that they are they're looking at the suffering in the world so they're looking outside of their own suffering in their in their personal lives or in the, in the life of BTS and they're seeing um, uh, you know the suffering of migrants um, the suffering of people who um, uh, are the victims of uh, climate change or or um a plague or whatever, uh, warfare. There's so much suffering in the world and um, that uh, this is, um, um, uh, gets, gets into one, one feels it. Um, and so it's, it's a part of our um, empathy system. And um, I think they're, they're saying that they are empathic to the suffering of others in the world. Maybe they're speaking to the army particularly to their fans. Mm -hmm. Uh, We feel with you. We know some of you are in really hard places. Um, And I think it was reaching out and a statement of um, sort of
0: commonality with the suffering in the world. Yeah, and empathy is a very good quality to have. It's a very healthy thing um, because I know that the lack of empathy um, is extremely destructive. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the next song is the featured single from the album. It's called On, and a music video, it's actually not the official music video, but it's the Kinetic Manifesto film was released. This song being performed, and it was performed in Grand Central Station last night on The Tonight Show. So oh. it is a big number, and... <laughs> there's a lot to cover here in the song. I know we can't cover it all, but one of the things that, well, two things stood out to me. One is the refrain to remain sane. One must go insane. And then I had a lot of questions about the temporary tattoo under V's eye that mentioned the shadow.
1: Well, I I think shadow is a very important factor in this song and the Mm -hmm. experience of shadow. Um, uh, Jung once said, uh, um, send, uh, send me a sane man and I will turn him insane. Um, you know, sanity uh, is a highly valued uh, virtue and quality. We, we want to be sane, we want our, 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 our family members to be sane, we want our society to be sane. But um, sanity by itself isn't enough um, it lacks imagination. It lacks um, depth. Uh, it's basically just common sense. And we need it, and it's valuable. But it doesn't nearly um, satisfy um, the needs of the psyche for, for creativity and imagination and, um, and many other things that we love and, and um, uh, respect as a, a big topic later on. Um, other virtues. So, in to be sane, you have to become insane. <laughs> it's a paradox, but mm-hmm. you have to. Uh, in, in Jungian terms, you have to include the unconscious uh, within your psychic system um, in order to achieve wholeness. Wholeness can't just be based on rational consciousness. Um, that's a part of us, but it isn't all of us. And so, um, Jung's um, um, basic prescription for wholeness was to contact the unconscious through working with your dreams, active imagination, other techniques, um, so that you can be in touch with other parts of yourself uh, that we would call uh, not insane necessarily, but irrational and um, sort of off the beaten track, and uh, and that's where the uh, that's where your creativity will be, and that's mm-hmm. where your life energy will come from.
0: Another lyric in the song is, throw myself into this two-sided world. Another uh, version said, throw myself whole into both worlds.
1: There you are. Perfect. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's also a song about resilience. That's what caught my attention. It's, um, you know, um, you know the theory of anti-fragility. Anti-fragility is a, is a theory of how things survive. If they're anti-fragile, uh, they can fall on the on a hard surface from a height and not break.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, fragile things break. Yeah. So if, it, if it's made of glass, you know, if it's a perfect thing, a perfect vase, that's fragile. It's not anti-fragile. Uh, your cell phone—they've made to be anti-fragile. So you can drop it, it can fall in the toilet, it can fall uh, on the ground, you know, and it doesn't break, it's anti-fragile. And that's what we want in, in our, that's what we strive for when we work with uh, people in uh, psychotherapy, to make them anti-fragile. Mm-hmm. Because we're all gonna take hits and blows, uh, setbacks, discouraging times, uh, failures, that's inevitable. And if you're fragile, it will break you. So to make somebody anti-fragile is is to make them resilient so they can bounce, so they can fall, even be hurt, suffer, and get up and go on. And that's what this song is about, on. Keep on moving, Mm -hmm. keep on going, no matter um, um, how bad the times get. And boy, we sure need that in our world
2: today.
0: Yeah. The next track, number 12, is titled, and Uh. it says that the rappers criticize a society in which people who hide behind masks of anonymity to cast their anger against others. And they speak of their conviction to stand up against a world dominated by rage. And it gives a glimpse into the pain BTS may have felt as witnesses or victims of that anger. And that made me think of trolls and bullies
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I think um, that's a very good point. The trolls and the bullies are, you know, you get a smile uh, when a person sees you and then they uh, bully you on uh, Facebook or something. It's a a form of hypocrisy, talking behind other people's backs, stabbing them in the back, uh, saying nice things to their face and then being ugly otherwise. And a lot of that anger comes out of um, envy and, um, you know, um, jealousy and projection. Uh, And I'm sure BTS got a lot of that. You know, the envy must be enormous from the other uh, K pop groups and and other people who have not been as successful as they have. I'm sure they get a lot of hits, take a lot of hits.
0: Right. So, what do we do?
1: Resilience. Okay. Anti-fragility
0: Anti-fragility, yes,
2: yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, The next song is Zero O'Clock, uh, track 13 uh, You covered that a little bit I don't know if there's anything further You wanted to add about that
1: well, It's a new beginning, it's a song about an Ending and a new beginning, it's mm-hmm. midnight A new day will start So again, it's the rebirth
0: song Rebirth, yeah. yeah And track 14 is Inner Child It's V, his solo song
1: yeah. Again, about uh, you know, when we speak of the inner child, um, it's a little different from what he's saying about in the song memories of childhood. Uh, but the inner child is your memories of childhood, but it's also more. It's an archetype. It's an archetypal factor. It's it's um, it's the part of you that uh, is is new, has a future, um, it, it has a future orientation can grow, can develop. Uh, So the inner child can be very sensitive as children often are, but it also has tremendous potential. So uh, when we speak of the inner child, we're speaking about potential as well as memory and sensitivity. Um, And we all have one.
0: So Jung didn't speak specifically of the inner child, did he? I know he wrote about the divine child
1: the inner, the inner child is a, is a term that was that was developed after Jung's mm-hmm. lifetime to my knowledge you know a lot of people talked about children, child psychology and working with children and Jung um, wrote a book about children's dreams, gave a seminar it's been turned into a book about children's dreams. so he was interested in children. but his famous essay is on the a child archetype. And uh, he says uh, what that symbolizes is our futurity, our future, our future potentials and development. The term inner child came along later and it developed alongside um, uh, all these studies of trauma and traumatology. And uh, the traumas from early childhood can have a very long standing effect on people's lives. So mm-hmm. that inner child. Um, was taken up as um, uh, a reference to childhood trauma and the needs that a child has to protect itself from trauma. So a lot of study has been done about that by traumatologists and people who work with people who had severe childhood traumas. So sometimes when people uh, speak or write about the inner child, they are talking about childhood trauma.
0: Do you know if Donald Calshed is that part of his books on trauma?
1: Yes, he's he's the, um, I'd say, the most significant uh, or one of the most significant Jungians to take up that theme and talk about how the child um, uh, defends itself against trauma. It has a trauma and then it uh, elaborates a defense system that can be um, both protective and destructive. And uh, Kalshed's uh, uh, wonderful appreciation for... um, the spirit, uh, the spirit that the child is protecting, you know, its divine essence, um, and that protective shield um, uh, is uh, is a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it does keep the trauma out in a way, but it also keeps the child separated from life and the adult separated from life, and overprotected. Mm-hmm. So, his um, uh, analysis of that has been very helpful. Um, to people who work with uh, early trauma.
0: Dr. Kalshed is gonna be my guest here on the podcast in April, so I'll ask him about that. Um, Moving on to the next track, 15, it's called Friends, and it's a bit of a duet between Jimin and V. They've been friends since their school days.
1: Not very poignant, stay with me. You know, it's anticipating a separation Again, I think the album is about the ending of something, the ending of a period, a phase. Um, And um, they're affirming their friendship, um, uh, which is precious. You know, uh, friendship between men is something very rare in our world. And um, especially when friendships are formed at an early age, they can last for a lifetime. Uh, But then... People's lives take turns and they go in different directions, shed their skins, um, outgrow each other and so on. And so it's, it's something to grieve. It's a loss. And uh, I, I found it a very poignant song, that, uh, especially the line Stay With Me, um, uh, anticipating uh, a separation.
0: So track 16 is Moon. So this is Jin, his solo song. he is the moon, and army is the earth
1: I thought about this too i I, I think explicitly that's what it is. He's singing to the army uh, but that it, the fact that he picked the moon as the um the light uh the light in the darkness yeah um, uh, it's it's very effective visually, but the thing about the moon is that it's also um Ah, uh, changeable right. uh, It goes through phases. Uh, sometimes it's bright, sometimes it's very dim, sometimes the clouds cover it. It's different from the sun. The sun is steady and conscious. The moon is um, more romantic, um, more feminine um, uh, and more um, changeable. So it's um, it's a kind of love song. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah uh, but you, you can't really count on the moon's presence either.
0: <laughs> right. And then that leads us to tracks number 17, Respect. In the new book, Map of the Soul Shadow, you mention this word a lot. And what really stood out to me was how you mentioned that a lack of respect can be a trigger for violence.
1: Yes, <clears throat> I am. Um, I learned that from a psychologist who interviewed a lot of um, criminals, murderers in prison, uh, to try to find out what triggered their um, their murderous act. Why did they kill somebody? And um, his report was that, uh, of course, not all it wasn't unanimous, but a, a large number of them said, "Because I was dissed." You were dissed. What is that? Diss is a street term for disrespect. Uh, looked down on, um, you know, uh, considered lesser than. So if you look at somebody with a certain expression on your face or you refuse to look at them or you stare at them Mm -hmm. uh, or you signal something that uh, is disrespectful, it enrages them. And so the sensitivity to respect uh, is a very important um, uh, feature in... uh, violent rage, and especially domestic rage, when when um, children don't respect their parents, or parents don't respect their children, or spouses don't respect each other, you very quickly get into uh, violent arguments, and uh, most violence is actually committed in the domestic um, areas of, of, um, of life. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it caused me, uh, to reflect on the on the need for respect and 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 um, uh, I read uh, somewhat widely in this area. It goes back into ancient times, where uh, the most respected members of society were the warriors, uh, because they uh, protected the community. Uh, they went out and fought the enemies, and when they came back, they were heroes, and they were made the aristocracy. They were the first aristocrats put on a pedestal and they were honored and respected above anyone else. And the king was the, the chief warrior. And, and then gradually that notion of respect and the need for respect became more democratized. So today we have the sense that everybody should be respected. That's human, um, you know, it's um, a human value. It's, uh, we, uh, We should respect women and women's rights. Me Too is a big movement in that direction. Uh, Respect when I say no, respect me. Respect my wish, respect my will. Um, um, Gay rights, it's the same thing. Respect me, I've come out of the closet, respect me. So this issue of respect is a very, very topical subject in the world. And I'm glad they're singing about it, and they say it's the highest value. I, I really uh, appreciated that, higher than admiration. It's the mm-hmm. highest value to honestly respect. It's easy to say, in the song they it's easy to say you respect somebody, but to actually do it uh, behaviorally and follow through on it. It's a, it's a huge undertaking. It's a, a major virtue
0: and to respect is to look and look again, they sing. When you keep looking at someone, you're bound to see their flaws. But the fact that you nonetheless want to keep looking. That requires absolute faith in that someone.
2: It's very nice. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I like that song a lot.
0: Track 18, We Are Bulletproof, The Eternal. From what I understand, this is the third version of this song. They sing, we were only seven, but we have you all now. We're not afraid anymore. Together we are bulletproof.
1: Yeah, it's um, a, uh, an affirmation that uh, they and the army uh, are united and one, and uh, together they're bulletproof. They won't go down. Um, and eternal, um, they uh, eternal is a strong word you know yeah. <laughs> so it's it's like uh, they they're overcoming temporality in a sense and that means that in your memories even when you're 80 years old and we're dead and gone um, we will still be there you know we are getting placed in a um, in a position of um, um, you know something that that uh overcomes time and temporality, the eternal. So it's a very strong claim. Uh, but I think it was very affirmative of of um, their unity as a group. We are one and we and we in the army are in this together uh, and together we are bulletproof.
0: Mm-hmm. And the final track, Outro Ego, we covered in episode 54, but in some research I was doing for an upcoming episode with Jungian analyst Stanton Marlin, I was reading in his book, The Black Sun, that analyzing the ego to death opens the psyche to creative transformations involving the deep art of darkness, and that darkness heals by shining through. So I just was wondering what it means to analyze the ego to death.
1: Well, you'll have to ask him that. I like this much. Uh, He talks about the black sun. Uh, It's, the uh, again, the value of depression and going deeply into it and finding the light in the darkness. It's uh, an alchemical idea. And Stan Marlin is an expert on alchemy. He studied it intensely for many years. So um, you can go into that topic with him. Um, I think this uh, utro-ego is an affirmation of the ego. Um, it's not the death of the ego. I think it's saying we have found the ego. It is our destiny. Um, I think there's that sentence in there somewhere. The ego is destiny, or they say it somewhere. And I thought about that. Um, you know, when, when you come out of the cloud and you say, I am, uh, you affirm the ego. I exist. The I is Um, um, a solid part of me uh, um, and it's stable and it uh, registers reality and temporality and it can take the blows of life and it can survive and it can contain, it can act. Um, That's a very strong affirmation of um, ego's existence and very important developmentally especially at the age of the, of the fans, most of the fans that they're talking to are in that phase of, of ego consolidation and ego development where you, know, you begin realizing you aren't many people, you aren't uh, your brother, your sister, you are you. I am I, I am. Uh, Jung talked about stepping out of a cloud and suddenly realizing I am. It's a, a moment of numinous revelation. Uh, that experience of, of self-reflection on the ego. And I think they're closing their album uh, with that affirmation, yes, we have arrived. The album starts with persona, it moves through shadow, and it ends with ego. Um, and those, uh, that's not an accident. I think that's a well-structured, well-built album. Uh, they started on the surface, and they moved inward. They, they explored the shadow and they end up with a strong ego. The ego gets strengthened by dealing with the shadow. uh, um, 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 And also uh, one sense of uh, individuality and self gets strengthened by dealing with the shadow. And so um, in a sense they've arrived at the end of this phase of their um, seven years of existence together. We'll see what the future brings. But I think to conclude on this and with on sung again, which again is about resilience and keeping on going, Mm -hmm. they probably do expect to keep on going, but I think in a different way. They've covered the surface. Persona, shadow, ego are sort of the beginning elements of the exploration of the psyche. Will they go deeper? Will they go into anima, animus, um, archetypal world, collective unconscious, all of that uh, synchronicity, synchronicity? where um, uh, you know, psyche and, and material are one. These are much deeper levels of the psyche that they could explore in the future. I don't know how they would do it um, visually and, uh, and song and dance, but they're very clever. I, I wouldn't put it past them.
0: Thank you so much for all of the insights that you've shared with us, Dr. Stein. On behalf of BTS Army, we thank you
1: Thank you for having me, Laura. It's been a pleasure.
0: I'm now joined by psychiatrist Dr. Stephen Busser, who is one of the publishers at Chiron Publications. Hi, Dr. Busser.
3: Hello. Good to be here.
0: Would you tell the audience, for those who are new, we have some new listeners, about Chiron Publications?
3: Yes, uh, certainly. Chiron Publications is a book publishing company. It's been around quite a while, since the 1980s and was initially you know, founded and run by you know, Murray Stein and Nathan schwartz who really grew the, the company you know, over the, the decades. You know, Len Cruz and I took it over in 2013, so about 70 years ago, and have tried to continue you know, that emphasis of publishing top-notch Jungian material. We've probably have close to 300 uh, titles now in the, the series. Oh, wow. you know, some of them, of course, are 30, 35 years old. Um, and last year, we produced 24 books, so it, it's pretty robust. We're you know, struggling to stay on top of all the, the material coming our way, and, but it's been really exciting to take these Jungian concepts and ideas and, and work with analysts and others and really birth them into, into a book and to see them flourish and grow. It's really been a nice shepherding experience to work with these authors.
0: The books are available from your website and they're also available on Amazon. And I've asked you to be part of this episode today to talk about the new series that was started last year called map of the soul. And there are going to be three books in the series last year. I believe it was last April. You published the first book map of the soul Mm -hmm. persona, our many faces you wrote some chapters, Dr. Cruz and Dr. Stein. In January, you came out with the second book in the series, Map of the Soul, Shadow, Our Hidden Self.
3: Yeah, absolutely. The Map of the Soul series is really an exciting project. We're so pleased to be doing it on on a number of levels. The Map of the Soul concept came from Dr. Murray Stein a number of years ago, and he has been expanding it into a kind of current version that takes each of the primary elements of the map and kind of dives into it. So the map of the soul is an un- unconscious layout or a layout of our unconscious you know, selves and, and areas. So if you look at the the human psyche, you've got the external world, but then within us is a whole nother in- internal world. So that includes things like ego, which is the a book we're working on shortly, includes shadow, you know, persona, anima, animus, the archetypal self, complexes, archetypes. So this layout is helpful to conceptualize and understand more fully. So if I know my interior layout, that my shadow may be erupting at a certain time, or that I'm connecting to a certain archetype or complex, it really allows me to know myself deeper and and go further in that kind of growth and development. So we took this this concept of map of the soul and have been diving into each of the elements. So instead of doing a single book on the whole map, we've taken the persona in the first book and dove into the persona. what does that mean the mask that we wear, the ways that we engage with the world to those around us. Then the second book we focused you know solely on shadow, our interior, kind of dark self, almost the opposite of the persona, Mm -hmm. those elements of ourselves that we're not proud of, that we we try to hide, try to get rid of, often are in the shadow. And the the goal is to continue going. We've got two books already published. We're working on a third now on Ego, and probably over the next year or two, we'll finish out the series with Anima and and probably archetypal self and archetypes. Um, the the first three, though, had this amazing opportunity of coinciding with the, the Korean K-pop band, BTS, which yeah. I know you and Murray know a lot about with that. Um, a couple of years ago, I guess really just one year ago now, the, the first album came out, sort of the extended play from BTS, Map of the Soul Persona, and we really saw this as an opportunity to expose a younger generation to these wonderful concepts, you know, of the interior world of Jungian psychology. BTS actually, you know, read Murray Stein's, you know, Korean translation of, of a older Map of the Soul book that came out 20 years ago or so. And because of those concepts, they developed some of the ideas in their, their current, yeah, album series. And so we really saw that, that as an opportunity to, to write about these concepts in an updated version, you know, bring in some of the, the BTS songs and lyrics that you and Murray have been looking at and really try to bring that forward you know, to this generation. It's been an exciting project.
0: They're great because they're manageable books. And like you said, this is kind of geared to the younger generation, uh, a newer audience, maybe people who aren't as familiar with Jung's work. And Dr. Stein's book, Jung's Map of the Soul, is pretty heavy reading. This new (laughs) series, Map of the Soul, explains things a lot clearer. Again, great for beginners, people who are new to Jung, and there are illustrations. And uh, Dr. Busser, you've done a wonderful illustration that's also included in the second book on the shadow of kind of the map that we're all referring to. And it's easy to visualize with that graphic.
3: I really tried to summarize and simplify it for that very reason. We're we're speaking to a younger generation, yes, you know, people that may not have a lot of exposure to Jungian you know, psychology, may not have even taken a course on it. And so I really tried in that illustration to to make it as as both simplified but also complete as possible with it. So taking Dr. Stein and of course Carl Jung's, you know, concepts and how can I how could I place them within a a structured series to have a map represented with that. And so we decided to take that map and kind of make it the intro in each of the books. So if you started on book three and didn't have to have book one, Mm -hmm. you would still have a little 10-page summary of what is the map. And this is the global concept of the map. And in this book, we're zeroing in on persona or shadow or perhaps ego. You know, Jungian psychology goes back, you know, well over 100 years. You know, Carl Jung, you know, was... Yeah, well, was born in 1875 and was producing much of this in the, the very early part of the 19th century. And these concepts, though, were brilliant as they, you know, first came along. But they're also alive and growing, you know, with that. And that's another reason for that series of how can we you know, bring these very traditional 100 year old concepts, but also kind of show them in this new and you know, wonderful light. And BTS, of course, is doing that you know, profoundly. They're producing videos and songs, and they're as you know, modern as they can certainly be in that generation. So how can we take these kind of old, old themes that are really timeless, but break them into the, the current you know, generation energies of, of this century?
0: I also wanted to mention a DVD series of interviews that Chiron Publications distributes, and they are available on your website. Uh, They were produced by Blue Salamandra Films, and the reason why I bring it up is because there is an interview with Dr. Murray Stein. These are videos, these are DVD videos. They're each about an hour long, and I wanted to mention that. I'll put a link to this in the show notes. and. A guest that I have coming up on the podcast, Dr. Peter Amon, he's also done an interview, a DVD video interview, and I will be speaking about that with him coming up later in March. So would you tell us a little bit about how you guys got involved? Oh, it's called Jungians Speaking. So it's I'm speaking of Jung and this is Jungian Speaking, um, but these were done by professional filmmaker named Lewis Morris, right?
3: Right, exactly. Lewis is a somewhat recent graduate from the International School of Analytical Psychology, I think a handful of years ago. And I think towards the end of his training, he really saw a desire to capture some of the senior analysts in in film, yeah, you know, before they were, you know, too old to to really you know, be available in that way, yeah, you know, for it there are so many amazing analysts in the Zurich area that are involved in the various training institutes that Luis really wanted to to connect with them. So he really spent a fair amount of money getting a, a professional videographer and film crew and and I think he got some grants to support it, you know, through it as well. And I think he did a marvelous job in in capturing just high quality video of these various analysts. Who, he would even go to their homes or their offices and and try to find a unique personal aspect of each analyst. You know, mm-hmm. one had a farm and was making I can't remember some sort of apple, you know, product. But you go in with the analyst and you know, they're there, you know, on their you know farm, kind of making the, these products. Um, another one talks about the the office that they're practicing in and it's got this long historic. Yeah, you know, lineage of who, you know, over the hundreds of years you know, was in that the building you know, prior to them. So you really get a a visual sense of who these analysts are and and how they, they practice. And I think that's a, a nice service, you know, to do, um, because we're we're losing, you know, the the prior generation, which happens you know, I guess constantly. The prior generation grows and and but there really was something special about the the generation that's that's aging out because they were either analyzed by Jung or a first generation of, of you know somebody who trained with Jung. So you, you have this very close proximity to Jung versus those of us that are you know, in a later generation, you know, there are, are enough distance between you know, us and young they don't get that same richness of history they do with some of the current analysts so it, it was so when he asked us to distribute it yeah you know, we were yeah you know, delighted to uh, participate again hope in that way
0: yeah and so there are nine of them and they are beautifully packaged and again I will put a link to them in the show notes again it's called Jungian speaking Actually, I forgot to mention, I'm going to be giving away two copies of the book, Map of the Soul Shadow, and I believe the BTS Army Help Center is going to be giving away some copies too. So follow us on Twitter. I'll put links to our Twitter accounts in the show notes, and uh, we look forward to the third installment. Um, Do you have any idea of when that'll be released?
3: We were hoping to do it relatively soon. So okay, our great. goal is within a month to have it released. Oh, so nice. we can often turn these things on quickly if we can you know, get the, the writing part done. Um, but with a new album out, we want that to be a part of it as much as we can.
0: And that will be titled Map of the Soul Ego.
3: Mm-hmm, exactly.
0: The contributors are Dr. Stein, yourself, Dr. Cruz, the three of you on that one.
3: And I believe James Johnston will be you know, joining us as well for a chapter of that. He's an expert on ego ego and typology. So looking oh, nice. at uh, the concepts of typology within ego, he'll be adding a chapter on that.
0: Great. We look forward to it. Okay, Dr. Buser, thank you so much.
3: Absolutely. And thank you, Laura. I really appreciate it.
0: Please visit the website Speaking of Jung, That's speakingofjung.com for more information on what was discussed in this episode. There you'll also find all of the previous episodes of this podcast, which are available to stream or to download for free. This podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And the audio of this episode will be available on our YouTube channel, Jungian Laura. You can also listen on your Amazon Echo device simply by saying, Alexa, play Speaking of Jung on Apple Podcasts or TuneIn. Just be sure to pronounce Jung with a hard J. You can help support Speaking of Jung at no extra cost to you, just by shopping at Amazon.com through any of the Amazon links on our website, or by registering through our links for any of the online video courses offered by the Young Society of Washington, D.C. You can start these courses anytime, go at your own pace, and you'll have lifetime access to the material. You can find all of the details on the courses page at SpeakingOfYoung.com. So with special thanks to Chiron Publications, Carla Postma Slabicorn, Dual Set Lyrics, Wisha, and the entire BTS army, this is Laura London, and you've been listening to Speaking of Jung.